Hello, and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today with our regional director from Latin America and South America and the Caribbean, that whole area, um, Maria Rojas. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Colleen. It's really a nice opportunity to be able to uh, somehow uh, send a little message to our friends here in North America, in the United States especially. Yeah, it's great. to. I've been enjoying all the conversations I've been having with you. So with you and uh, Dr. Legay and Father Giordano so far today. Um, so let's just start. How did you first get involved with HLI? How did you first start doing the pro-life work like this? Well, uh, actually, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a ve- very interesting experience. Uh, I thought I was uh, a Catholic, you know, but um, it was necessary quote, unquote, that my mom passed away for me to really realize what a Catholic really was like. Because mm. uh, when my mom passed away, uh, suddenly I didn't feel like working. Mm. And then I realized, even though I lived many years away from home, uh, I, I realized that uh, missing my mother was very, very strong. So I didn't feel like working, and uh, I told my wife, well, maybe, maybe you want to go to make a, you know, like a short trip vacation or something. And uh, I was lucky enough that to find a, a small sign in the street that said uh, pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Mm. And uh, we, we wanted to go to the Holy Land before, but there was always something going on. But at this time, we were lucky because when we inquired about this pilgrimage, there were two more seats available for the group. Here we go. We wind up going. Uh, and probably, you know, uh, if we had gone before, we would not appreciate the same way that appreciated when we were at that time. And it was really something, an, a very interesting experience uh, to see, you know, how things uh, uh, were happening and, and, and to actually verify that what the Bible said, it was, we're talking about real things, you know, it's not just an invention of some uh, People that decided, you know, like science fiction writing type mm-hmm. of thing, you know, and um, it, it was amazing, uh, you know, to be like, for instance, in Mont Mont Tabor, Tabor, you know, mm-hmm. where Not the Tabor, transfiguration yeah. happened. And suddenly, you know, Jesus was here, you know, with Peter in uh, Santiago, that's in Spanish, uh, James mm-hmm. and John. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, John the, the Baptist. Uh, oh, no, the Baptist. John uh, the Evangelist. Yeah. John the okay. Evangelist, yeah. Uh, you know, and then you say, wow, you know, this really happening? It's amazing, you know. And being in the uh, River Jordan, oh, where yeah. supposedly that's where Jesus was baptized. And I always uh, I always heard that it was Jordan River. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about river, you're talking about a large, a wide enough, you know, with a lot of water. And when we got into Jordan River, it was a tiny little bit, you know. Oh, and 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 I said in in um, diminishing the the impact in Spanish in my recording, I say, well, welcome to Rio Jordancito, little <laughs> little Rio Jordan, you know. But it happened. Uh, an amazing thing happened to us. My wife was. Uh, I was recording the beat recording, and my wife took a picture, and she questioned herself, I wonder where Jesus baptized in the river. And then at that time, 1998, 
pictures were not like like today that you can actually mm -hmm. verify right away, you know, mm -hmm. digital pictures and stuff like that. No, we had to return to a place where it could be developed and all that stuff. And when we got that picture returned, there was a big light that came into the area of the river right at that point, and some images there they, that, you know, Wow, that's maybe so that's where Jesus got baptized. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing thing. And things like that happened until we went, went up getting into a little town called Medjugorje. Mm. Never heard before, never heard. And that's where we experienced an incredible journey. And that's when uh, maybe uh, our Blessed Mother wanted us to do something else. Mm -hmm. And that changed our attitude, our way of life and and her, her, many people changed their way of life mm -hmm. by while visiting Medjugorje. And um, we, we came back home and uh, uh, we say, well, you know, uh, what do I need <laughs> to be Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, start attending Mass and pay attention. Mm -hmm. And then start reading about it, you know, start reading and, and, and so on. And, um, uh, and I became, convinced, became convinced that a real Catholic must defend life from moment of conception, conception to natural life, because the Lord says, "Do not kill life for your your brothers." Like I love you, mm -hmm. you know. So from that point on, I became a pro-lifer, and I, a true Catholic must be a pro-lifer. Yeah. I mean, you you have to defend, especially the the, the most uh, you know uh, uh, how do you call uh, innocent. Mm -hmm. defenseless child that eats in the uterus of the mother. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, uh, before, the uterus of the mother used to be the safest place. But nowadays, it's, now it's, in many cases, the most, uh, you know, threatening place nowadays because abortion is on demand in some places. Mm -hmm. The uh, day after pills are, uh, uh, and so on. And, uh, at that point, I, you know, I got involved into the pro-life things, and eventually, through our affiliating Argentina, at that time I wasn't even aware what HLI was, Human Life International. Uh, we invited him, invited him to be part of a pro-life uh, conference, and when the guy said, "Wow, this is a place that people thought that you know we might call, we might be able to to have maybe 50 people." 800 people show up to our conference, and the guy couldn't believe, wow, Where? you want to contact HLI. <laughs> and he, you know, referred me to HLI, and this is how I wind up learning about it and then becoming an affiliate in Bolivia at that time. Okay, so it was Bolivia that you were? Bolivia, okay. yes. And afterwards, uh, well, the Lord uh, brought me into the United States, and then uh, we, we partnered with HLI first as an affiliate in Bolivia, and then starting in 2009 with uh, HLI as a missionary uh, mm -hmm. in charge of Latin America. Yeah, the regional director. Yes. What countries do you have like affiliate? Like, I know that you have some in the Caribbean, I believe, and South America and Central America. Is yeah. that kind of generally? Basically, the the area that I I'm in charge it starts from Mexico. Okay. All of Central America, all mm -hmm. the different countries of Central America, the Caribbean is mostly the Spanish-speaking Caribbean. We're talking about Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. and we're talking about Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, there are English. There are a bunch of English islands there, but mm -hmm. that uh, we're not really involved. But 
we might decide if we agree that it's a good uh, uh, way of doing it. We might decide to do it through our our contact Marlene Gillette in Puerto Rico that she speaks good English, uh, good uh, English, mm-hmm. and then we're trying to see if we can go into you know Haiti with the Spanish uh, French speaking areas as well. Mm-hmm. South America, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, from Venezuela all the way down to Argentina South or Chile in uh, is the southernmost. It includes mm-hmm. everything. Wow. And uh, of course Brazil, which is the largest country in 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 South America, mm-hmm. and Spain. Oh, is Spanish guess, speaking yeah, country. Spanish. Spain. Yes, we do have a fantastic affiliate there. Um, Spain Matter is the affiliate organization. Mm-hmm. And Maria Jose Mancilla, she's the president. She's a fantastic woman, uh, full of energy and uh, very, very active, very active uh, mm-hmm. nowadays promoting the gospel of life in uh, Spain. Yeah, I remember a couple of stories when, right around the time that I first got here from their pregnancy care center that were beautiful. There was a boy with Down syndrome who was saved and another boy who's, they were in like financial struggling. And so I remember getting some of those stories from Spain as well that were really cool. Yes. But, and also, uh, you know, Spain uh, has turned out to be, a, uh, you know, like a, a reception state for many people from Latin America arriving into Spain. Interesting. And, you know, uh, and uh, what happened is, then uh, Maria Jose received some referral saying, oh, my sister in Colombia is about to make a wrong decision and things like that. So Maria Jose will write to us and say, well, do you know anybody in such a place? And boom, you know, our contact in that country right away or go through the Crisis Pregnancy Center, the Latin American network mm-hmm. that HLI has also helped establish. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's an affiliate, our affiliate there. The whole network is our affiliate in Latin America. So if, uh, you know, right away we contact them and then they have somebody who is close by and makes a call. And uh, we have managed to, you know, to motivate people uh, and to uh, act in such a way that they will not make that wrong decision. Oh, that's amazing. That's so. I love hearing all the stories of the different children who are saved through the pregnancy care centers as well. Because, I mean, all of the other work that we do is obviously incredibly important. I just think those have some very touching impact because they're so personal. You know, the thing is, they are, you know, uh, uh, situations of death and life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why when, whenever we talk to, uh, for instance, to a, a parish, to a parish, to a priest, uh, you know, had the pastor of a parish. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the difference between a family pastoral mm-hmm. and a life pastoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they want to put it all together, you know, the life and family pastoral, you know, that could service the community and stuff like that. And we say, well, you know, the family pastoral is very good, but it's not a matter of life and death. Mm. But the life pastoral is a matter of life and death because somebody might be making a decision mm-hmm. to end the life of a child that it's, you know, uh, in the universe of, of the mother. And therefore, the people that serve that pastor must be 24-7 available Mm -hmm. if somebody is to make a decision like that, that they can be called and say, listen, this is about to happen. What can you do? Boom, right away you try to go and visit and pray or or do whatever it's necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have fantastic experiences calling. I remember one time uh, uh, the... Uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Colombia, in Bogota, uh, they received a visit of a beautiful girl that was an actress. 
movie mm. actress or, you know, soap opera actress. They are very popular in Colombia and Mexico as well, you know. Yeah. And she was a good-looking girl. And she wind up going there because uh, uh, most of the crisis pregnancy centers, they publish little articles uh, saying, you know, are you, do you have an uh, unexpected pregnancy or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, visit us. Yeah. So sometimes you might interpret one way or another, okay? So this lady said, oh, maybe they can help me because she felt that, you know, something happened, a period is off or something. Mm-hmm. So she decided to visit with them. So they start talking to this lady to make her, you know, think about it, that a decision maybe around the ship won't be in the right place. But then what happened? She said, are you guys going to help me or not? Then the girl who was in charge of uh, talking with her, she said, well, maybe I can take you to my boss. She can maybe give you a better advice than what I, I, I was trying to advise you. Okay, so they walk over. And normally when they are, ta- they are dealing with people in crisis pregnancy centers, in most of our Catholic ones, they have Our Lady of Guadalupe in a small shrine, and there's somebody praying all the time. So what, what this girl did, she took this lady over to this room, supposedly to talk to the boss of the Christ Pregnancy Center. And who, who was the boss? Our Lady of Guadalupe. When she entered the room, there was a little girl praying over there, and then she saw Our Lady of Guadalupe, and she changed her mind. Wow. Okay. So uh, Our Lady Guadalupe can do uh, things like that. But stories like that, you hear them. You hear them because, you know, uh, we can only do so much. Mm-hmm. But it's our mother that really does the heavy work. That's so true. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, yes. Um, what are some of the challenges that you're being like faced with on the mission field in um, well, your ter- regions that you're... You know, well, you see, challenges are all the time, but... The biggest challenge that we feel right now is the uh, misinformation that mm-hmm. is circulating. The, like, somehow the media, like, the media somehow has um, uh, has been, I wouldn't like to say brainwash, but you know, the, the other side, uh, they have a lot of resources. Yeah. And uh, normally if they want to publish something, like, for instance, uh, um, let's say the gay pride uh, parade or something. Mm-hmm. Then they, they, they could invite the news media to a hotel for a good lunch where they can have a nice thing to eat and so on. And then at the end, after they have eaten well, the news media and so on. Oh, by the way, maybe if you can publish this article for us and don't worry about it, we will pay the, what it costs you. Mm-hmm. So the news, the newsman has been fed properly, and has been given a news report and doesn't really necessarily question about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, s- since they are paying for it, he will publish it. Interesting. And, th- and then what happened? The, the people get to read these articles that don't necessarily, you know, uh, are aimed to defend life and family. Of mm-hmm. course not. Okay, and therefore, you know, nowadays the gay pride parades and all that stuff that seems to be the the story. You know, oh, it's uh, we have to be uh, very um, uh, educated 
in the sense that, uh, you know, we should not discriminate anybody. Nobody wants to discriminate anybody. But uh, what's happening is that they gripe, uh, you know, the gay uh, parades and stuff like that. It's to show that they have the right to march. Fine. But then they wear, you know, exotic clothes and they show things that normally you wouldn't see it. And little kids are supposed to be watching it. What kind of message do you pass into it? So uh, that's just one example. So Mm -hmm. you're talking about information that is being used in the news media that doesn't necessarily, you know, help life and family. A lot of times it's directly targeting it, too, it seems like, from your example. Yes. So uh, we cannot go through the news media to try to publish because it costs money. Yeah. Uh, we don't have those resources. So what we do, we try to you know, organize maybe uh, a, a small events mm-hmm. where we can have a speaker like, and try to explain some of the issues, you know, what's going on, what's happening and so on. Uh, people that participate normally, you know, then mm-hmm. they say, wow, we didn't know that. We didn't know this and that. Uh, and, and, but the news media not necessarily is publishing the right things. Mm-hmm. So that's a big challenge. I remember reading the report from Venezuela from your mission there. And one thing that was a common theme throughout it was people thinking that life didn't begin until three months after fertilization. And that was something I thought was interesting. Just like it seemed like a very common theme that different school children didn't know when life began and they would be pro-life, but they didn't know when life began. And I thought that was, is that another form of misinformation that happens a lot down there? Or Well, this is the the, the talk that uh, people that want to confuse you would mm-hmm. like to say. But, you know, if you were uh, to get samples, mm-hmm. ADN, uh, ADN samples, you know, mm-hmm. this uh, of a person mm-hmm. that is in, uh, of a little child. Yeah. You know, and compared to the mama, mother's mm-hmm. ADM on the blood analysis, you will say that there are two different things because, you know, a, 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 a child that, is, that it's, it's, it's in the womb of the mother mm-hmm. it has been formed by what? 23 chromosomes of the father mm-hmm. and 23 of the mother. Yeah. Okay. And therefore it will not be the same yeah. as the mother. If for some reason, you know, you, you would, were to make an analysis, you will notice that they are different. Mm-hmm. So the mother cannot claim, say, it's the right for me to decide my body. But it's not her body anymore. It's another person that is there. It's just temporarily there, okay? Mm-hmm. And if we were to talk in those terms, there's just no way they can say, no, you know, it's that's not the case. But then the argument is, you know, after three months, well, we don't know what really is, you know, if it's a, 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 what kind of, a, um, it's not a person, yeah. it's not a human being, uh, it doesn't, feel any, doesn't feel any pain and all that stuff. What do you know? How do you know all those things, you know? It's because it's just pure talk, because science does not justify that, yeah. all right? It's not justified. So it's, it's an issue that uh, we do have information that shows exactly what's the process yeah. of, of growing of the child, you know, from little one and, and so on. We oh, have this, yeah, panels, we have beautiful uh, traveling museums where normally when we have events, big events, we can show it to them. Uh, 17, 18 panels that shows exactly what happens and all that stuff. And people that see that and, uh, you know, they understand. And when they understand, 
they will not accept this idea that, oh, no, you have three months uh, to decide whatever you want. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not really what science says. It's yeah. their science, which necessarily is not true science. Well, and that's the importance of the education programs that we do, too, so that yes. people can be able to refute those arguments because they are common themes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, what's been your like favorite part of mission work? What do you enjoy doing most? Well, well, uh, the nice thing is to really see the simplest people that meeting with you. We, you know, we're not meeting, uh, uh, you know, rich and uh, famous people who receive us with a, a Rolls Royce or a Cadillac <laughs> or anything like that. No. And when we get to a place, we never look for a hotel or anything like that because that's not an idea. Because, number one, we don't have that kind of money yeah. for a hotel. Normally, we're invited to stay or in a retreat house mm-hmm. or in a seminary. If those two uh, those two places are not available for some, some reason, in a family house mm. where, you know, the family will, you know, give us a room, you know, have some of the kids move somewhere else in the area and give us the room to be able to, to, to share for a couple of days. And our idea is if we are able to be there, then we kind of evangelize them too because they understand what is the kind of work, you know, to, to, to explain to them what are we doing, what are we doing, what testimonies we have. And so people really like it. And not only that, since they receive us, we ask them to take us to places where we have to go and give a talk and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes they, uh, we go to a radio show or a TV show and they are there and then suddenly they are, you know, they're learning all those. Wow, we didn't know that. We didn't know that. We didn't know that. And that can change them. All right? That can change them. So it's meeting people, transmitting the love of God. You know, uh, talking about the gospel of life, that life is so precious. But then also talking about what it means stable families mm-hmm. and what does it mean unstable families and what do you really want for your kids in the future. Number one, you have to have the Lord in your in your house as part of your family. Mm-hmm. And this was a beautiful experience we had when we, we as HLI, mm-hmm. did a video in uh, 2012 in Mexico City, mm-hmm. in uh, 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 Costa Rica and Panama. Mm-hmm. And the, the bottom line, the question was, how do families nowadays uh, defend themselves against the culture of death? Mm. It was beautiful. The example, you let the Lord participate in your daily life. Mm. Daily That's life. True. Okay. Uh, if you do that, you can't go wrong. Yeah. It was a beautiful example. Beautiful example. So meeting people, transmitting the truth. Okay. Yeah. And we do it through like, relationships. That's so important. Like you were saying, it's a lot of building relationships and transmitting the truth through those. Very much, very much. Yeah. Like Christina, this uh, lady from uh, Porto Viejo, the other day that I show, I show, you know, and during the, well, yesterday, mm. uh, this is an example. Uh, this lady, together with her husband, participating on a small uh, uh, round table that uh, they were asking us, uh, you know, about anecdotes and things like that. And uh, uh, she was so so motivated that they participated in the two days that we had for the laity in that in that Congress. And afterwards, 
her testimony was incredible uh, to a point, you know, that uh, she was helping, helping us all the time. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? you guys are doing so much for us. We want to thank you. And, uh, and uh, my, uh, my bag, a little bag that I had where I carry all the material of HLI, somehow it, it was torn torn and and you know i had to take this uh, back with me or mm-hmm. go to peru yeah. with the, because one of the speakers was from peru and i said well uh, can we get it fixed they try to fix it couldn't fix the bag and and she came back with one of those portable you know portable handbags yeah and he gave it to us and it was a darn good one <laughs> you know i said how can you do it? no no you take it you guys have done so much work for me it's a privilege to help you on doing things like that that's so that makes story. you makes you feel good. And we're in direct contact all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So build up relationships, but build up a relationship with people that love God and want the best for the families. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, please like, follow, subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, or any of our audio platforms, and keep on living the culture of life. God bless. I mean, God bless.